Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, January 21st, 2018. Well, Tessa, it's been nice knowing you. I guess you're gonna wanna be packing your bags, jumping into your 93 Plymouth Sundance, and hitting the road right about now, because you have single-handedly burned all bridges leading in to Genoa City. It's no one's fault but your own now. Tessa nearly had it all. Am I right? She had a dream career going. She has a sexy, rich boyfriend. She had a cool and creative best friend in Mariah, and she blew it all. And it all started with... Things going downhill with Mariah. I, you know, I try really hard to see things from each and every character's point of view. And over the past several months, Tessa has been one of the hardest characters for me to read. I've had such a hard time getting a beat on where she's coming from. And early in this week, Tessa and Mariah had another awkward run-in at the coffee house where Tessa tells Mariah, you know, I really miss you. Hey, I saw that segment you did on the Hillary Hour and you looked really good. And I thought to myself, she cannot possibly not know what she's saying. She knows she's talking to someone who is in love with her, and she's saying these baiting things to Mariah. She's leading her on. And now, knowing what comes early or what comes later on in the week, that makes me think that everything about Tessa has been a manipulation, a manipulation of Mariah, possibly of Noah, too. Tessa has been insisting that she is in love with Noah, and Mariah doesn't believe it. She just looks at Tessa deadpan and says, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. And I wanted to believe that Tessa was just maybe confused about her feelings, but now I think it's so much more. I think Tessa is manipulating actively. Mariah looks at Tessa and says, you know what, you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. I've got my own writing to do. Mariah goes out onto the patio and is writing up a storm. Meanwhile, Tessa has been scribbling and scratching out and crumpling up pieces of paper, experiencing a creative block when it comes to her writing and her music, and it has not gone unnoticed by Devon. Devon uh, earlier had confided in Mariah that he's experiencing a little bit of trouble keeping the music business of part of Hamilton Winters afloat. It's not turning a profit, and he is going to do everything he can to save that part of the business, so he pressures Tessa to write a hit single or he can't promise that she's not going to be dropped from her contract. So in a moment of desperation, Tessa sees Mariah's bag lying unattended on the patio with the journal that Mariah has been keeping sticking out of it and she actually sneaks by and steals it. 
she steals Mariah's journal and then proceeds to use Mariah's exact journal entries to write lyrics for her new song. Look, I am not completely unfeeling to what Tessa must be going through. I understand that she was under a lot of pressure. Devon did pretty much order her to write a hit song or lose her career and to Tessa her career is her entire livelihood and probably a very real representation of the life that she's working so hard to build and a journey away from a life that she used to have that was filled with all of these horrible things and that she doesn't want to return to but how how could she do that how could she care so little about Mariah that she would exploit something so personal to her. It's just beyond bad. It's, it's, it, and surely, surely she had to know that she was going to be found out and she just, what, didn't care? Or was hoping that, no, she would, what, make a bunch of money and save her career and then smooth everything over? I, I, it just, I can't believe the manipulation and the gall of this woman. Devon arranges for Dessa to perform her new single on uh, the Hillary Hour, where Mariah is the co-host. And again, Tessa has the nerve, the nerve to, like, after she's completely done with Mariah's journal, dump it on the floor at the Hillary Hour studio as if to pretend to Mariah that it was there all along. Mariah's been looking for her journal, thinking she was going crazy, and then whoop! It happens to be right there underneath the chair that Tessa was sitting under. For crying out loud, Tessa didn't even try, really, to hide it. I mean, Mariah was pre-interviewing Tessa right there in that chair, and then magically the journal drops there. Well, as soon as Mariah finds her journal underneath Tessa's chair, she's suspicious. She thinks, well, that's odd, but all doubt is removed when Tessa begins to sing Mariah's words live on air, performing on the Hillary Hour, her mouth singing the Mariah's words live in front of everyone. And as soon as Mariah realizes what has happened, she jumps up out of her chair and lashes out at Tessa immediately. You thieving bitch! You stole my journal and I hope you burn in hell for it. Well, I'd say that Mariah's days of pining over Tessa are over. From a writing standpoint, I really think that this betrayal of Tessa's is serving mostly to put the nail in the coffin of Mariah and Tessa's relationship. Any hope that anyone was holding out that these two were going to get together is not only dashed, but Tessa's behavior makes the viewers not want them to get together after all of this. The 
So I guess we know what direction <laughs> the show has decided to take that relationship. That's pretty clear. But the interesting thing to me, and you're, I'm not gonna, you're not gonna believe that I'm saying this, but the funny thing is, I have found Tessa's character to be more compelling throughout the course of this past week than throughout the course of this past couple of months. Like for months now, Tessa has been nothing more than a doe-eyed object of Mariah's affection. And now here we are seeing her with motive, with dimension, with character. And I did find that compelling. I don't in any way support or like what she did, but just from a viewing standpoint, at least she made a move. I also really thought that um, it was carried out in a, in a, the scenes were carried out in a very um, beautiful and just heart-wrenching way. Um, the scene where Tessa was recording her song in the booth was beautiful. Um, she is surrounded by darkness and only her body and her voice are illuminated singing this beautiful song. I mean, that was a gorgeous scene. I think, you know, most people could probably agree with that. The fallout is, is, I think, just not going to work on any level in Tessa's character. I think it's, I think it's uh, indicating a, a goodbye for Tessa. I mean, I, I, do you think that Noah will forgive his girlfriend for what she did to his sister? And furthermore, do you think that Devon is going to stand by Tessa and keep her on contract after what she's done? I just don't think so. And the fact that we're also having a new songbird come on to the show. We talked about last week, there's been a new cast. Um, Shanika Knowles, I believe was her name. Uh, that tells me that most definitely Devon is going to be looking at new musical acts. And that's where she's going to come in, possibly to replace Tessa um, in at least in Devon's uh, music business portion of the company. I just wonder if Tessa is even going to stick around for this whole fallout. She strikes me now as the kind of person who would just skip town in the middle of night, just leaving nothing but maybe a note and a trail of pain. Victoria and JT's staircase sex last week must have been real good because they did it again. <laughs> This time, right on top of Victoria's brand new desk. I should have guessed that that's the entire reason we got the new set of Victoria's office. <laughs> of course there was going to be sex on that desk. Duh! Victoria and JT certainly christened it hard. <laughs> And then they christened Victoria's dining room. I mean, I don't even remember Victoria and JT being this on fire the last time around. They're acting like a couple of rebel teenagers themselves, right down to the fact that they got walked in on by dear old dad. Yes, that's right. Victor Newman walks right on into Victoria's house while she and JT are like up against the wall in the dining room. Ooh. How mortifying. How mortifying.
thing. I I will give a little bit to credit. I think everybody everybody handled this situation pretty well, pretty adult. Victor's handled it surprisingly well in my eyes. I he kept his composure far more than I would have expected him to. He simply got the book of reads that he was there for and then has Victoria walk him to the door and simply reminds her privately, not in front of JT, what her priorities really should be. Um, it's about family. It's about business. It is not about wasting time with your ex-husband. Um, I mean, Victoria's an adult, of course. She can make decisions about who she wants to see and sleep with, and it's none of Victor's business. He really shouldn't just be walking all up in her house under any circumstances circumstances anyway. But I also can't say I entirely disagree with Victor's point of view. My mistrust in JT is growing. It's growing every episode that I see him on my screen. And on Friday, Victoria is having a conversation with JT where they're getting ready to get hot and heavy again. And she stops it to try to have a conversation with him. She wants to pin down their relationship a little bit, um, define it, maybe see if they can have something more solid than just sex. And he was really, really dodging all of her questions. He just kept kind of saying that he wants to keep things loose. And JT should at least know that keeping it loose is not Victoria Newman's style. That's really probably never going to work for her. And plus, these are not two strangers in the night. They didn't just meet at a bar and they're keeping things loose. Like, they've been married and divorced. They share a son. There's a lot of history there. There are a lot of feelings there. And even though JT does acknowledge that he is having feelings of more, for Victoria beyond sex, I'm just still struggling to trust him. He hasn't really done or said anything that I can point to specifically that's making me distrust him, but I just feel like he's hiding something or that he's going to end up breaking their deal, breaking her heart, um, just sleeping around town and not telling Victoria about it. I mean, he kind of made a comment like, hey, look, let's just kind of keep it loose. I mean, yes, we have feelings for each other. But if one of us decides to do it with somebody else, we just need to fess up to it first. We got to just at least be honest if we're going to be cheating on each other. I mean, it just, I don't know. It just, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. But maybe it was the fact that Tessa's song, um, How Can a Lie Feel So True?, was playing over the scene of that conversation with Victoria and JT. Or I don't know, maybe it's just simply how quickly he's been able to slide right into Victoria's life and her home. I, I don't know, you guys. Kane tells JT that the, his stay at the Chancellor Mansion might be nearing an end. And Victoria just hands him the keys. She just invites him to stay there. And I don't know if that's such a wise idea. I want to toss this out to the chatters for our poll question of the week. Are Victoria and JT moving too fast? 
go to yrchat.com. I'd like to know if you feel like it's like, do you feel a little bit like I do? Like maybe something's not right here or am I just blowing it all out of proportion? I want to get your comments and see your votes. And I, I keep thinking also to comments uh, from that I've you know seen at, at various places of people who don't really remember JT's original run on the show. And if you are a viewer who doesn't remember JT, then it probably seems to you like Victoria's moving in with a stranger in a way. I mean, what's he been in town for like two weeks and he's living there? The sex may be good, but these are two very, very different people. And I think that is cause for concern. It doesn't seem like to me, and don't let me convince you too much because I want to get you know your pure reaction on whether you think this is moving too fast, but for me, it just doesn't seem like these two different personalities have done very much to get on the same page emotionally as much as they have been able, as much as they've been working on getting on the same page sexually. <laughs> Um, I mean, and then plus, like, they've got this whole drama of a rebel teenage son, and I just worry that it's a disaster in the making. Last week, I asked you guys if you felt like Nikki was overstepping in her grandmother role, pulling Reed in uh, to be disciplined at the ranch. 60 percent of you said no. Nikki's getting the job done and somebody needed to do it. 40 percent not liking the tactic of Nikki pulling Reed out of his home to parent him. And really, we didn't get a whole lot of follow-up on that this past week. Um, Nikki and Victoria did have a breakfast maybe on on Monday and and just barely lightly touched on it. And I just can't believe that Victoria is completely fine with Reed staying with her parents and just I hands off is not really Victoria's style and it is a little surprising to me at least to see her taking that approach and if she is going to take that approach I was sort of hoping that we'd see a little bit more of Victor's boot camp (laughs) Uh, maybe next week I don't know well since Reed isn't staying at the house uh, with Victoria and JT now there, at least they have the place to themselves to work out all the kinks of their relationship, right? Kane flies all the way to Paris to surprise Lily, but he can't find her, even though she's staying in the hotel room next door to his. Okay, that was a little cliche, but I was truly excited for Lily and Kane to discover each other. It certainly took some work. They never crossed paths at the hotel. He was always coming as she was going, and Kane had to literally chase her down, run through the airport to find her. She was getting ready to leave town, and I don't, it all did seem very romantic to me, but Lily wasn't exactly caught up in the romance. I guess I was expecting her reaction to be a little different. She didn't even want to stay in Paris. <laughs> even though Kane had come all the way there to talk to her and to try to rekindle something, she didn't even necessarily at first want to stay. She did agree, though, to go back to the hotel room with him to talk things out, but it really ended up 
them just kind of rehashing the old problems, the same old conversation they've been having. And I do think that some of it is based on fear. I mean, Lily and Kane are probably, and especially Lily, both afraid to move forward into this like fun house mirror version of a life that they used to share where things are kind of the same, but not the same. I can understand, you know, being afraid of that as the reality and afraid of letting yourself um, go into it. But Lily did end up realizing that her choice is to either be stuck in the past or to move forward. And if she wants to be with Kane, then she needs to move forward with Kane, let go of some of the past, as she is oft to do when it comes to Kane, uh, let go of some of the hurt that she is having. And she just decides finally to embrace Cain, embrace him, kiss him, and make love to him in a bed. <laughs> how novel, What? How, how very risque, not on a staircase, not on a desk, not in a storage locker, in a bed. <laughs> it was kind of nice. <laughs> it was kind of nice just to have something a little, a little normal and a little romantic. I enjoyed it. I really, I did. I, I loved Lillian Cain this week and it was what I had been waiting for. I will say Thursday's episode did come off a little bit like a like a Lillian King clip show. <laughs> we had a ton of flashbacks. We got their first kiss and their engagement and moving into that house, looking at it all empty for you know when they got there for the first time and also them going through Lily's cancer, which isn't brought up all that often. Um, you know, them actually being able to have the miracle of, of, of their children and like I mean it was a, it was a good combination of things the romance the affair the mistrust uh, I, I really liked seeing it all and those are clips that we haven't seen in a long long time so it was interesting to look at them you guys are gonna kill me this is so I probably shouldn't say it but I'm going to and don't tell anybody I did this is just between you and me but was anybody else watching the flashbacks and thinking maybe Crystal Khalil has had some work done oh Gary's gonna kill me for saying this but do you guys think that maybe she had a nose job or something because it was I don't know I just kept looking back like at how she looks now and how she was looking at those flashbacks and her nose looks a little different maybe even her chin or something she like Lily doesn't look just she looks subtly different and not just like aged you know like just something I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm I probably shouldn't say but if anybody noticed that wink wink let me know <laughs> Nothing, no shame in it in any way, shape, or form. I just wonder. It makes me wonder. Um, so in the end, Lily and Kane do agree to move on and move back in to their house together and try to rebuild their family, including Sam. That's that you know that's the new element. That's a little bit of the the hitch, and I think that it's going to be interesting. 
to see the evolution of Lily and Sam's relationship. It's one thing to accept him in theory, but it's another thing to have the baby sleeping in the room with you, where you know where you share a bed with your husband, and it might end up being a difficult reminder for her. The reality is she's going to be taking care of Sam too. He just doesn't he doesn't just exist as an object. This is now um, a, a, a baby, a child, a human being who's in her care, and I think that. I mean, knowing that this is a child that her husband had out of wedlock may be a very difficult reminder uh, for her of the affair on a daily basis. And it may be um, a- a- an emotional journey to that, that she'll be going on that, that as we watch her evolve and come to love Sam on her own as her own. I wonder if Lily and Kane are going to struggle to pry Sam away from Hillary. <laughs> I mean, she has managed to really bond with that baby. She scored herself a babysitting gig with him while Kane was gone. And, oh, she really took a shining. She loved the idea of being with that baby and realized that maybe she's loving the idea of being a mother. She was chatting with Phyllis. I really enjoyed uh, the chat with Phyllis about motherhood and, you know, asking questions about what it's really like and Phyllis being very blunt about it. Um, I, I liked the look on Hillary's faces. She was just sort of relishing the idea of someone telling her what a cute baby she had. She's out in public with this baby. People assume it's her child and she's liking that idea. Uh, and she's just, of course, basking in every single moment of holding him and staring at him as if as if like holding this little baby has somehow given Hillary this new perspective on life on who she is on what she needs on how she wants to live her life from now on and she ends up announcing to Phyllis that she's decided she wants to have a baby I mean, like, I guess it's like it should be it shouldn't be shocking, but it was a little bit like, whoa, okay, she's she's made up her mind about this. And she seemed so certain that I don't think she's necessarily going to wait around for a romance or a reunion with Devon or anything like that. I kind of wonder if Hillary's going to be on the phone, like scheduling her in vitro fertilization tomorrow. Like Kane, Scott chases Abby down in Paris. I, w- I was really kind of impressed and proud of him for finally coming to terms with his feelings for her. It's not easy to say that you're sorry, to own up, to, to not just to yourself, but to someone else. And he did that. And I was glad to see him make amends. I think he needs to try a little harder maybe next week or at a later date to make amends with Sharon down the line. That's who he really owes the apology to. But for now, it was a step in the right direction that he was acknowledging his feelings for Abby to Abby and apologizing for the way he was flip-flopping on it. But I also think it's possible that this was a first step right out the door for the character because Scott tells Abby that he wants to buy hashtag and Abby brokers a deal with Victor to just let Scott buy the magazine over time with his profits on the condition. Abby says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to broker the 
this deal with my father to let you buy this company, but my condition is you have to run it from another city. You cannot run it from Genoa City. Uh, first of all, it's hard for me to believe that Victor would just let part of his company go at Abby's beck and call on a phone call that lasted probably about five minutes. But second, I mean, it sounds like a, a write-off for the character, right? I don't know if we're going to end up seeing him again. Uh, are we just, uh, like, is, is this it? I mean, he says something about running the magazine from London, so presumably he's possibly moving to London. I Is that a write-off, or are we just maybe pressing pause on Scott's character until Abby returns from Paris? I'm not really sure. It definitely seems like we're doing some sweeping up of characters this week. Now, saying farewell, at least for now, to some people. I gotta imagine that we're gonna be saying somewhat of a farewell to Abby pretty soon. I gotta give YNR kudos on how they've handled the actress's maternity leave. Um, they did this video call shot with her uh, and Victoria this week, and maybe that's something that they're going to do. I think they've or do a little more of is you know pre-recording some video chats to keep her uh, to keep it clear that she's still on the show, still on the canvas, keeping her incorporated, even though the actress has gone off on maternity leave. I really would have thought that she would have been out a long time ago, but they've worked her into the very end. Nick tells Nikki all about Sharon's new house guest family, and Nikki marches over there thinking that she's going to set Sharon straight, and she runs right into Ghost Kathy, realizes that it's Ghost Kathy who's staying with Sharon, who will always be known as Ghost Kathy. I'll never just call her Kathy. <laughs> it doesn't matter if she's on the show for 10 years. She'll always be Ghost Kathy to me. Um, and Nikki takes a moment to listen to her story and actually decides to give Sharon her blessing for opening her home up to a family in need and also goes one further admits that Sharon was right, that Sharon did the right thing, and it inspires Nikki to do the same thing. She is together with Nick and with some support, uh, I suppose emotionally, from Victor. Nikki is going to be buying a, a building for um, low-income housing for some Genoa City residents in need. I mean, I thought it was a nice idea seeing these wildly rich townspeople actually using their wealth and their notoriety for good. I mean, I'm not sure if I want to, if I want to see, um, their, you know, philanthropy, uh, it's, it kind of can get boring after a while. So I don't know if I want, if I want to see them just being charitable forever, but it's a nice change of pace from the usual greed. Pour one out for Graham Bloodworth. Rips, Graham! Why and I brought him back just so they could kill him? <laughs> I mean, darn. Darn it. I gotta give props to YNR Chatter Robbie for predicting that last week. It at least helped mentally prepare myself for, for the possibility of it happening, because last week I never would have thought that Graham was coming back just to be killed a week later. 
Graham is actually the second character to be killed off under Mal Young's reign after Juliet. And doesn't it kind of seem like we're we're sweeping out the old characters of 2017? Graham and Juliet and Scott and Tessa were all characters that were either recast or brought onto the show in 2017. And little by little, doesn't it kind of feel like they're being sidelined and swept away and possibly never to be heard from again? I don't know. I mean, I, you know what? It was it was still an unexpected twist. I'm disappointed to lose Graham. You guys all know that I really liked him. I was ready to, like, snuggle down and watch Graham for the next decade. But I do appreciate that it was a surprise. I, I wish maybe YNR would take a cue from this or something because I was I was really appreciating the 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 flavor of villain that we were getting from Graham. He had this uppity proper well-pressed way of saying and doing the most evil things and that made him a in my opinion a very unique character in his class of, of villains you know for, for being a villain I thought that was kind of a, a, a unique personality I liked the way he was inviting Ashley to Dina's hotel room to set her up for Dina's murder and exchanging these delicious barbs with her, like wiping away a tear, a fake tear as he's talking about Dina and offering Ashley a tissue and just, I mean, everything he was saying, like he tells Ashley that to drop the little bitch routine and Ashley comes back at him and says, there is only one little bitch here and I'm looking at him. I liked that. I liked that dynamic. They, they, you know, I just thought, Gosh, that you know they they made good foes and that made good TV and so I I feel I feel disappointed that he's going to be gone now. I mean, obviously, um, he's he went in, he came in and he challenged the Abbots. Ashley had no idea what he was planning. He tricked her into handing him a syringe for his diabetic shot that, you know, nobody knew or thought that he had, you know, diabetes before. And I mean, she's like handing him this syringe thinking this is kind of weird. All the while, she's just getting her fingerprints all over it. Um... (laughs) After, right after Ashley leaves, Graham tries to get Dina <laughs> to wear a cheap $89.99 wedding band that would probably turn her finger green. How dare he? Can I just say that of all of the atrocities that Graham has attempted to force upon Dina this week, that was the worst. How dare he attempt to put a cheap wedding ring <laughs> on that woman's finger? I couldn't believe it. She didn't even want to put on the ring, and but it's not because it was cheap. It was because Dina thinks that she's still married to John Abbott, and Graham has to try to challenge her, tells her that John Abbott is dead. Gina gets very upset. She calls Jack over and I mean she's still like thinking that he's John he just she's calling him over to try to make things feel a little better she's so very confused Jack is able to calm her down but he also talks to Graham letting him know that they are very very close to having this entire marriage annulled in a matter of days and that just makes Graham more desperate whatever he you know this whole plan that he was planning he just puts it into hyperdrive when Jack leaves 
and Dina lies down for her cat nap, he fills up that syringe with the toxic murder juice and tries to give Dina the death dose. <laughs> God. But, well, before, okay, so, but the weirdest thing, right, was right before he goes to put the syringe in her arm, he gives this incredibly creepy goodbye speech as she lies sleeping there, telling her, you won't feel any pain. This is, it's better this way, seeing a vital, then I'd rather, I'd rather you go this way than watch you, a vital woman, turn into a child. I mean, just then he, he like, he, and then he pulls her in and he kind of kisses her on the head and he grabs her arm and prepares to inject, but. Dina wakes up right as he's getting ready to do this. Resists, she resists what's going on. There's this struggle with the needle, and she manages to redirect the syringe right into Graham's arm with the plunger fully dispensed. Like, he didn't even know what hit him. Graham did not know what hit him. He just looks down at his arm, sees the needle sticking out of it, and he was pure shock. Shocked. <laughs> it was like his shock was my shock. I'm assuming we were all very shocked. I mean, disbelief that this is going on. Way to go, Dina, though. You know, I mean, shoot, way to come back. And, and I don't know. I don't know that she did it on purpose in any way, but pff, got the job done. <laughs> Oh my gosh. When Jack and Ashley arrived in the hotel room, Graham was like practically almost dead on the floor. They call the paramedics. Dina's gone. Dina, um, Graham's rushed to the hospital and Dina shows up at the police station to turn herself in for the murder of Brent Davis. Ugh. Paul obviously doesn't give much weight to Dina's confession, but he does have a few questions for Ashley, starting with, why were your fingerprints on the syringe? Ashley tells Paul all about Graham, asking her to hand him the insulin shot, which was an obvious setup. And look, I understand Paul has a job to do. He has questions that need to be asked. But why does he always default to mistrust when it comes to these people that he's known for decades? It just doesn't make sense to me. Are Ashley and Jack or Dina like going to be murder suspects now? It's kind of obvious that Ashley wouldn't rob her own lab and draw attention to herself by stealing this poison chemical that she's just going to turn around and use to kill her mother. What motive would she even have? Like, that doesn't make any sense, Paul. <sighs> well, word comes from the doctors uh, that they need to get down to the hospital right away for Graham. He's still alive, but he's on life support and he's never going to recover. So the doctors need permission to uh, from his next of kin. <laughs> To remove him from life support and Dina is perfectly willing and happy and perfectly clear minded enough to go ahead and make that decision about his life. How fitting is it that the marriage of convenience that Graham manipulated her into became the legality that ended his life, not hers. I, I thought that was a, an interesting little uh, twist and a way to end his story, but I don't know where this leaves us when it comes to Dina. I'm sure that's what everybody's thinking right now. How many more incidents like this can Dina get herself into before enough is enough?
How about a suggestion to stick your head into a snowbank?、Uh, last week, that was our little snippet of a quote.、Uh, stick your head in a snowbank? It was Michael who said that to Jack, suggesting a way to、um, cool off, <laughs> cool himself off when it comes to Graham.、Uh, they were at the courthouse for that one. It was a hard one. Only three people caught that. It was Henry, who I think has like premonition. You must have a, a, a photographic memory or something. Because you get it right every week and it's like immediate. You just know. <laughs> like, you're usually the first person to answer and you pretty much are always right. So I don't even, can't even remember you being wrong. So congratulations, Henry. And Gary got that one right as well as Lisa. Congratulations, you three. I know I've probably been making, maybe I'm making them too hard or something. Because、um, a lot of people guessed、uh, various different people. That was a tough one. But how about this? Maybe you can guess、um, this one. A shower can become a reward. I think so. If you, if you know who said that, a shower can become a reward, <laughs> you can go to yrchat.com and leave your guess. And if you get it right, then you too will receive your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. Okay, it is comment time. Tanya at yrchat.com says, Yay! I am so glad Dina finally killed Graham. <laughs> Graham deserved to be killed, and by Dina. I never liked his character and never would. Bye, Graham. You are not going to be missed. <laughs> well, he's going to be missed by me, but I, have to, I accept it. I accept, I cannot, I accept what I cannot control. Graham is gone from my life.、Um, I, I think everybody, again, is just clamoring over what does this mean for Dina. I saw a lot of comments. A lot of people are still holding out hope that Graham was poisoning Dina throughout all of this time, and maybe now that he's Gone,、uh, she will have a chance to recover. I suppose that is still possible.、Uh, it's, it's just, it is tough to.、Uh, Figure out where this is going and to live with it. And it's kind of, it has become a little bit exhausting, right? I mean, just the constant. Just the constant Dina-ing right now. I feel like it's just gone too far.、Um, I got a,、um, a message on the website from Dean, who was a first time,、uh, first timer、uh, commenting on the website. Just at that. Really makes me happy. I love seeing people who have maybe listened to the podcast for years and years, and just, you know, a storyline really draws them out and they want to talk about it. And so, welcome, Dean. I really appreciated and loved your comment. And I'm going to read here Dean's feelings、uh, about Dina. I am finding the whole Dina storyline hard. Dean is a character that I've been drawn to for some reason, dating back to basically her first appearance. Loved her friendship with Mrs. C, loved the family dynamic she brought to the Abbots, just not enjoying the disease storyline at all. I'm probably colored by the fact that my mother was diagnosed mid last year, and we're going through a lot of the same issues as a family, but I have to say the whole crime spree aspect of the disease is not ringing true. Anyway, I'm holding on to the hope that these sim- are symptoms of a poisoning or Some such so that we can get our old Dina back.、Um, you know, I'll tell you what, I kind of 
I'm not really holding out hope. And the reason is because I do have, I, I've been spoiled a little bit on the, just a little bit on the, on the Dina thing. Um, and I don't want to spoil you, uh, but Gary had left me a, a voice message saying uh, what you, you guys may or may not know, just that Soap Opera Digest, CBS Soaps in Depth, they're all talking about the heartbreaking decision that the Abbots must make on Monday, January 22nd. Gary says, obviously, they're going to put Dina in the nut house. And I have to wonder where this leaves their story. Um, yeah, I don't want to say like too much or anything, but I just um, uh, I'm not holding out a whole lot of hope, to be honest with you, that that um, that we're going to have Dina around for too much longer. I don't know anything for sure, but just I, I can tell you that on Monday's show, they are the Abbots are going to be discussing what they're going to do with Dina. I mean, I don't know if they think that Dina did it on purpose. I don't know if Dina's going to have much of an awareness of what happened. I mean, she kind of killed Graham. I don't, I don't know if she's going to realize that or I, I don't know how it's all going to play out. I guess we just have to find out. Daisy on Facebook says, I don't like knowing if Paul is going to hold Ashley for attempted murder or not. I can see two scenarios with the information I have now. Either Ashley gets prosecuted or Dina does and Ashley is the one who had access to the chemicals. I know, I hope Paul just lets this drop. I just kind of want Y&R to drop and pull back. Are they listening to us? <laughs> and if not, why not? Oh, let's let it. Let's let's take it to a little bit of a lighter place. Diana at YRChat.com says, I was glad we saw Lillian Kane in Paris as well as Scott and Abby. I appreciated all of those scenes. It is always great to have new scenery on the show. We saw Kane in the cab rushing to get the love of his life. It was similar to what you'd see in a romance movie. Also, Kane rushing to the airport to stop Lily was great. There was a scene of Abby and Lily in the studio for the photo shoot. Lillian Kane's hotel room room looked elegant and lovely. The restaurant where Abby and Scott were having dinner, even Kane standing by the window in the hotel hallway had a beautiful shot of the Eiffel Tower that sparkled in the background. Yes, I love your appreciation of our sets, Diana, because I share that. Uh, I really did think that YNR did a beautiful job of presenting us Paris, even though we weren't in Paris. I gotta, I just, I gotta give uh, props to all of that. Just, I loved the Eiffel Tower shot, as you said, and it just was kind of a dream come true for me. Um, did you guys notice that when we were in the photo studio, there was like they had fuzzed out something on the door. It's such a minor detail. But if you go back and, and watch that scene where, where Kane is standing in the empty photo studio, the door to the studio has this like blur. I've been noticing that YNR has done that a couple of times since Mal has taken over. Like maybe it's a copyright thing or I don't know, something that would have taken away. Like maybe the door said bathroom on it and they had to like, fuzz that out or something. I don't know. Uh, I just thought. I just thought that was interesting. But I appreciate the time and effort in the new sets. That feels good. It feels fresh. Uh, Shakona at YRChat.com says, Allie, I know you love Lily and Kane together, but I am so over it. Kane lies. Lily forgives. When will she finally be strong enough to dump him in the trash? He is going to be deceitful sooner or later again. I agree with Maddie that they should divorce and stop their unhealthy relationship. I hope YNR gives Lily a fresh start. Kane has never been deserving of Lily's love. And also uh, uh, another voicemail I just got from Gary saying, you know, I'm happy that Lily and Kane got back together again, but I'm already bored with them like before. Where's the conflict? 
I think that's the key point when it comes to Lily and Kane for the future. We've been clamoring for a reunion for these two, but now that we've got it, what is going to be the tale? I mean, it is, when you have a couple that's happy, it's easy for them to just get stale and kind of boring. The only thing I can imagine is that the conflict is going to be somewhere around the raising of the baby, and I don't know, maybe possibly Hillary? Could Hillary create some conflict there? Sharita at YRChat.com says, I like Billy and Phyllis, but I don't see them as a forever couple. The way Phyllis spoke about being over raising kids with Hillary is proof that I don't feel she can go the distance with Billy. And still, he has these little kids that require parental support. That is kind of a, um, I'm going to pause there because I thought that was an interesting point. First of all, yeah, I mean, Billy is raising these young kids. And we had that scene last week where Phyllis is struggling to make them breakfast. And like, I get the feeling that Phyllis really likes her single lifestyle with Billy and the kids are maybe a little bit of an interruption on that and the way she was speaking about raising Summer first of all I felt was honest and there's nothing wrong with being honest because you know child you know know, having the newborn and and looking into little Sam's eyes it's like there there are these windows of magic but surrounding it is so much work and so little sleep and and a sacrifice of a lot of your own time and interests and and things like that. So I appreciated how honest she was being, but you make a good point, Sharita, that I wonder if that will create a conflict with Billy. And also building on Gary's comment about conflict, where is the conflict with Billy and Phyllis? Because, you know, why is it that Lily and Kane get real stale when they're happy and yet here we have Billy and Phyllis kind of in the same spot. I think that they have kind of a a comedy about them where they come into the scene and they just breeze in and say something funny and that keeps them entertaining. Maybe they need maybe Wyanor needs to do something sort of similar with uh with Lily and Kane to keep you know keep viewers interested and and intrigued um without getting bored I guess. Also Gotta mention this. Sharita says, does it seem as though Devon is flirting with Victoria lately? (laughs) This isn't a couple that I want to see, but it seems like they're kind of entertaining the idea. I I did notice. I'm glad you brought that up because I wasn't gonna, but I did raise my eyebrow to that scene. So, uh, so, so good catch. Uh, Nicole, T. Nicole at YRChat.com says, I have a feeling that Victoria and JT's relationship won't last long term for how quickly it started. It feels rushed and I can't believe that she asked JT to move in already. It just seems so quick. So there you go. At least I'm not alone in picking up on that, but I'd really like to get your votes and your comments at yrchat.com about uh, if you think that Victoria and JT are moving too fast. Are you picking up on something a little off about JT or is that just me? Ah, uh, Jamie and Isabel left me a fun voicemail this week, uh, and I really like that you picked up on this, uh, saying, did you catch the beautiful hug? Between Nikki and Sharon, hello, the mother and the mother-in-law relationship we've been waiting for. Um, I, I also I also laughed that at like that like me, you're still coming to terms with the fact that Kathy is not a ghost. <laughs> like it's taking a leap for me to to realize her as an actual person. But yes, I love that you mentioned Nikki and Sharon's relationship because maybe that's something that we can build on for the future. I, I like Nikki and Sharon, and we know that these two actresses are friends. So 
that could be something that could really bring some quirk uh, to the show and something a little bit different. I would like to see Sharon and Nikki as frenemies. You know, that could be fun to watch. Also, Anna had left me a voicemail last Sunday when we were talking about the new contractor guy who's going to come on the show and we were trying to predict, who, you know, where's this sexy new building contractor going to fit in? Who's he going to be interacting with? And Anna wanted to predict that it would be Chelsea who would be receiving the attention of, uh, of our sexy new man as they're remodeling the condo. I think that's a good possibility, but also this week, post you leave that uh, that voicemail, Anna, we had the revelation of these low-income apartments that are probably going to be built and rehabbed on the show. So I wonder if maybe he could be associated with that, too. I really hope that that set is not depressing. If we're going to go <laughs> into some, low, some low-income some low apartments, I hope that they make them nice. Um, maybe not, like, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to feel like I'm, I don't want to feel like I'm in a, a rinky-dink low-down apartment. Like, we've had warehouses and stuff like that on the show in the past and the underground. I mean, all that's depressing. I hope that if we're getting a new housing set, like a new apartment set, that it's at least bright and cheery. And are they going to keep Kathy on for this? I mean, if this is going to be a long-ish term project for Nikki and Nick and maybe Sharon, then um, are we going to have some bring somebody else in to stay at these apartments? Maybe it'll be something that will, uh, that will uh, be rotating. Maybe it's an alternative to the hotel where somebody's like, hey, I don't have an apartment at this place. Why don't you just stay there? Could be. Uh, Sandra at YRChat.com says, I'm in awe of Mariah for not letting Tessa even finish the song before she called Tessa out for stealing her journal. I was surprised about that too, Sandra. I thought, well, maybe it's going to take Mariah a minute to really, really connect it, and maybe she'll wait, but no, no, no. <laughs> That's not where the drama is. Mariah confronted her immediately. Zooperplex at YRChat.com says, knowing how uptight and persnickety Devon is, how long will he wait until he decides to unload the Millie Vanilli of the Hamilton Winters group? First of all, love that reference. <laughs> uh, thumbs up for the Millie Vanilli reference. And I think it opens up a, a question, a larger question of, is there any way that Tessa can keep her career over this? I mean, she's been publicly accused now of stealing content not only is that bad for her career, but it's going to be a bad look for the company. If Devon was on the fence about keeping Tessa before, I don't see how he's going to keep her now. And, okay, we'll end on this little fun comment from Liz. Cameron Grimes looked so good when she was at the coffee house talking to Devon. Her makeup and her hair were on point, and she knew it, too. She was flipping back those locks. I love this actress. Love the character. Can we please get Mariah, uh, can we please get a Mariah-centered spinoff? Maybe a web series focused on her along with some other character in her pure range. Regulars from YNR could make some guest appearances. Wouldn't that be a good way to introduce YNR to a younger demographic? Well, first of all, Liz, I love that you noticed Mariah's hair because, I mean, I was so totally noticing that too. When Mariah was sitting at the coffee house, uh, I think it was early in the week when she was having those awkward run-ins with Tessa, her hair was like cr crinkly and crimped. It crimped, it like, it actually got me thinking, I want my hair to do that. Like, it's kind of like crimpy and wavy, but not 
permed. I don't know how she did it. Does anybody know how to get those crinky, crinkly, um, not like an actual crimper machine or anything? Like, what? how does she get her hair like that? Is it braided or something? And then, I don't know. I just thought that was so cute. Her hair, it just looked full and crimpy, and she just looked really pretty. Her makeup looked really nice. I totally noticed that, and it, it tickles me a little bit that, that you, you guys noticed that you would hone in on that, too, because she did look good this past week. I also like your idea that, even if it's not a Mariah spinoff, that she needs some more peers in her age range. We don't have that many 20-somethings on the show, uh, and I think maybe that's a, a part of the cast that needs to be built out, and as you say, um, that's a good way to introduce YNR2 uh, to the younger graphic, the, uh, the younger demographic. Hook them! Hook them in! <laughs> like they did to me, and then before they know it, it's like 25 years later. Okay, everybody, time for me to go, but it's time for you to shine. So go to yrchat.com, leave me your comments. You can also call the voicemail 309-588-4569. It is always my pleasure to hear from you and to chat with you about the show, so don't be shy. <laughs> I love you guys, and I'll see you next week. Bye.